Hey, everybody, it's Pastor Mike, and this is the Pastor Mike Drop, joined by my co-host, Emily, as Hello. always. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Fine. And how's your summer going? How's the kid? How are the are the kids enjoying not being in school and all that kind of stuff? They are loving it. Yeah. Into a summer routine. Into the which routine. is you know less of a routine. It is a routine, and and yet we have kind of a routine thing coming up here at Hope at all of our yeah. locations in just a few weeks. Yeah, vacation Bible school. And you're heavily involved in leading that. Yep, it's so. going to be great. Is it going to be? Yeah, I'm just checking. <laughs> it's going to be pretty epic. Yeah, I, <laughs> the song leaders were here last night to do their mm-hmm. first training, mm-hmm. and they packed the gym. I yeah. mean, it's just it, you would think that is Bible school, yeah. but it's all grown ups. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it was a party. Yeah, I mean the energy, the the roof blew off. It yep. was it was kind of crazy good. That's great. So. We're getting trained up for it. We are, and we are we are going to keep. Uh, diving into these uh, Bible readings that we're doing every week as we mm-hmm. read the whole Holy Bible together as a church family. And this has been so good. Yeah. Momentum is strong. Yeah. We, we've said what we want to do is not just read the whole Bible, but we want to read it, but we also want to learn it, which mm-hmm. is a big part of why we're doing this podcast uh, so that people can have some supports, people can have some direction and, because some of this can be a little confusing. Some of it can be complex. Some of it can be really simple. And we make it too complex. And mm-hmm. so it's just good to have, um, you know, we're better together. And it's good to have teachers. And we are blessed by a panel of great pastors today. Yes, we have pastors Brian Brown and Jeremy Johnson back with us. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon, everybody. Good to see you guys. Dr. Brown is back for, I think, third time. Third time. You same keep with... calling me back, I'll keep coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep your phone on the yeah. hook then, because we're, we're going to keep calling. Uh, it's really good to have you here. Uh, Brian is uh, a lead pastor at Hope Elam, our campus in the city. And Jeremy is our outreach minister and on the senior leadership team for all of Hope. And you've been here how long now, Jeremy? Oh, it'll be 14 years in August. And yet, mm-hmm. Emily and I learned something about you today before <laughs> the podcast. That Brand we, new. We, we, we meet with you all the time. We're, we do ministry with you. Uh-huh. I mean, it's not like we don't hang out. What did, what did we learn? You chew gum constantly. I'm an avid gum chewer. Yeah, avid gum. Li- literally, probably at least a pack of gum a day. You know, I, what, what I wish we could do is, and if we would have thought ahead, we probably could with Kelsey's help on social media, we have one of those polls right now. Uh-huh. How many of you who know Jeremy knew that he was an avid gum chewer? Because yes. he hides it so well. It's well, discreet. Well, when I coach my, uh, my kids in sports, all the kids and all of the coaches would know that I am just plowing through gum. It's just one of those things. <laughs> when, so when I prepare for a sermon, I'm literally... Literally going through at least one pack, just going in. It's I don't know. It's weird. Bubble gum. So you make the big <laughs> yeah. bubble, or, or, or whatever that's. Remember that when we yeah. were kids? Yeah. That was like the rage. It's like, yeah. oh, this is the best bubble gum ever. Because mm-hmm. before that, it was bazooka with the little mm-hmm. comic, you know, wrapped around it. Do you even know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and the gum got hard after oh, like yeah. two, yeah, after two, two seconds. seconds. Yeah. Yeah. It came out terrible. hard. Terrible, yeah. <laughs> but hey, it was what we had. I think dentists created it because it would give them more business. Like if we break the teeth of these kids, like we'll continue to have them coming back. Yeah. Did you ever hear the rumor there's little spider eggs in the bubble gum? What? Yeah, that was maybe it's just Chicago, where I grew up on the North Side. Maybe it's a North Side rumor, uh, so I don't think so. But you know, conspiracies. Didn't anticipate the podcast would start this. Yeah, way here today. we are yeah. talking about <laughs> chewing gum and and hanging out and all these kinds of things. We should say also a word. We had a great Juneteenth celebration. Yeah, phenomenal. You know, I'm just so um, proud of the team, but also just how faithful God is. He continues to show up. Yeah. So it was yeah. it was a good time. God's doing so many good things here, and we pray and hope that God's doing great things in the church you're a part of, wherever you are, because people are tuning in from all over um, the country and the world. And so 
man, you know, it's time for the church to just be who we're called to be, mm-hmm. to, to rise up, to wake up, to, to answer the call. So between Juneteenth and VBS and, and chewing gum, and you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're just chomping right along. And with that, let's dive into our big, deep questions for Romans 13 to 16 and Job, the first half of Job 2. Ted Lasso, where are you? Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Oh, yeah. No, should have saw that coming. First question, Romans 13.1 says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Is that word from God for first century Romans, for us, or for both? Well, it's for first century Romans for sure, and indirectly then, through the timeless truths that are here, it's it's also for us. It's the living inspired word of God, so we're not just reading about something that's relegated to once upon a time. Uh, this is a little bit tricky. Because people have used and abused this this text on on both sides. There are governments and government leaders who will say, well, you know, the Bible says in Romans 13 that you have to submit to me and whatever I say goes, and that's that's what God wants you to do. Of course, that's not what God wants you to do. There's a place for civil disobedience. There's exceptions to every rule. But what Paul's doing here is he's not getting into the exceptions, at least in this part of Scripture. He's getting into the rule. He's getting into the, for the sake of good order, uh, for... Uh, the sake of not devolving into, as a rule, not devolving into anarchy or mass chaos, we need to uh, honor and respect uh, those who are our government leaders and, and our authorities. It doesn't mean we need to agree. It doesn't need. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say you need to just be little pawns that get moved around. Uh, it doesn't say that there isn't a time to stand up and rise up against injustice doesn't say any of that. But those are the exceptions, not the rule. Paul's saying is a rule. And probably a big part of why he is doing that is he doesn't want he doesn't want Christians to fall into the wrong way. I mean, he's writing to Rome. And so he knows he's writing to the seat of, of the whole empire, the Roman Empire. Whereas maybe if he's writing to the Ephesians or the Galatians or somebody else, still key cities, but not the center city. It's it'd be like what you know, writing to Washington, DC. Of course you're gonna be thinking, well, that's that's where the capital is. That's, that's where the emperor is. That's where, well, in our case, the president. But in Paul's case, that's where the emperor is. That's where Nero is. And Nero, we know from history, was an awful leader, just super corrupt. So it's not like Paul's saying, hey, you know, Nero's great. Let's just do whatever he says. But he's saying, Christians, you have a higher calling. There's a right way to overcome corruption. And there's a wrong way to overcome corruption. And Paul's saying the problem with the wrong way of overcoming corruption and making it all about government is that's like the most important thing ever is we're going to get distracted. Um, I don't know. What, what did you guys catch as you were diving into this? What else did you see there? Yeah, I'll jump in. I, I think that from an authority standpoint, it is important to have order, to have um, boundaries. Um, if not, we'll just be in chaos. So yep. I, I completely understand that it's not only for then, it's for now. We certainly should, um, you know, for practical living and quality of life, uh, make certain that we are respecting authorities and, in fact, praying for those in leadership. Yes. It has a, a huge impact on everyone. Um, I think there comes a time when, um, when if you feel an injustice, um, the real filter is the Word of God. And that that trumps everything. But in the word, it certainly tells us that we ought to respect authority. It's a really good way to put it is does does our our protest, does our uh, objection, does our disagreement with a government leader, 
does it align with Scripture? Is it the right way to handle it? I think is really ultimately a big part of what Paul's getting to here. You know, as I said earlier, as we're responding here to Romans 13, the first opening verses of this chapter, government leaders have used and abused this. They, they've used it to justify slavery. They've used it to justify apartheid. They've, they've used it to justify all sorts of other kinds of oppressive, uh, you know, decisions. That's that's not well. I mean, Hitler could say, or a, any ruthless leader could stand up and say, "Hey, I'm I'm in charge, so you just have to follow me." Well, of course, God doesn't want that. And so, does our objection? I think of a Lutheran pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who back in Nazi Germany rose up, was a part of the resistance, was a part of this movement. This this movement, Brian, as you say, mm-hmm. that's in li- alignment with God's word. I think that's really important. I think it's also really important, though, to soberly and humbly look at these things and not make every issue we disagree with, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, I, I don't like the new speed limit, you know, on, on, mm-hmm. on that street over there. And that's, well, we need to rise up and, and we, we, now we lose all respect for those leaders. Oh, come on. You know, mm-hmm. let, let's, let's, let's balance that a little bit. And I find it's interesting that in the backdrop of what Paul's saying is he's just prior in chapter 12, he says, bless those who persecute you. Now, again, I don't ever want to say that I can take anything that I've experienced to equate to what that's, what's gone on there, what's gone on with apartheid, any of those things. But right. Paul's also saying in the entirety of this letter to the Romans, like, hey, there's there's a bigger picture that's right. going on here. And also, let us never forget that the one who is in control is Jesus, and Jesus is good, and he's the one who gets to settle all things and, and put our hope and our trust in there as well. Mm-hmm. We're citizens of the kingdom of God, first and foremost, mm-hmm. and... The cause of Jesus has to be <clears throat> greater than the cause of government. Even if it, I do believe Christians should be active, I do believe we should be active citizens. I think we should partake. I think we should we should bring our voice to the table of these things. I know there are some religious people who say, "Oh, government, who cares?" Don't think that's our call. I don't. I don't think that's biblical. I think we we need to care. But there's a kingdom we should care about more <laughs> than just the, the the kingdoms of this world. And it's a kingdom that's eternal. And it's a kingdom that goes on forever. One last thought is that because there's also this stuff here that says God appoints these leaders, and that really troubles people, especially when you think of terrible leaders like Nero in, mm-hmm. in Paul's day. Mm-hmm. But let's remember as we read through the rest of the Bible, so let's just take this text and put it in the broader context of, of the rest of Scripture, especially going back to the Old Testament. Cyrus was a horrendously dark, evil, bad guy leader. Uh, the the Babylonian Empire that that took God's people captive, uh, the Assyrian Empire, and so what Paul is also reminding us here is God can work through bad government. Mm-hmm. God is because God's bigger, you know, and so we need to keep the faith and hold on to hope in the midst of those times when government we feel like is going off the rails. Let's remember God's still in heaven; He's not wringing His hands over these things in the way we do. And we maybe should try to reflect a little more of God's perspective on these things than, than the worldly perspective on these things. It's, in other words, let's not overreact, right? Mm-hmm. right? That's good. Why does God's command for us to love mm-hmm. one another get so much emphasis here in Romans and in the Gospels? What does it really mean, and how can we practically in daily life follow this command? Well, I think just um, reading the very first question, it it really um, is is important for us to love one another because they're going to have different perspective, different different um, experiences. I think here in Rome, particularly with the the Jews and the Gentiles, um, all here at this particular location, that the emphasis on loving each other. Um, 
you know, is, is, is central to the entire Bible, but certainly to the time when um, there's so much maybe confusion and chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, loving each other goes beyond just being in the same place. Um, mm. going beyond just uh, being true to your tradition or your culture. It means to be able to love deeply. And I think that's the piece that I think for all of us um, continues to be the command and the call to action. Um, and I think about particularly here, um, what really stands out to me is uh, the importance of understanding that, you know, there was a, a lot of a mischief. There was a lot of um, confusion. Um, so to not commit adultery or murder or steal or to covet, um, it goes beyond um, just what is a personal desire. There was a compromise. There was a, a need to go beyond what is personal, but look at what was more communal. And mm-hmm. I think that's where um, it was a real emphasis at this time. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it is the center of this whole section 12 to 16, and it gets down to what, what God says is the, the, the greatest thing is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, mm-hmm. and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's central to everything, and exactly what you're saying, Brad, I couldn't agree more. Like, this is just, if you boil everything down, it starts here, and it moves out from here, and we get that right, and we, we're never going to, on this side of heaven, get that perfectly right, but when we start to see that the neighbor that we have is the person that we don't always agree with. And that when we move as, as people who follow love and, and follow like Jesus loved, then our communities, our cultures, our earthly kingdoms start to shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm also intrigued just by the, the power of love to change things, to change the world, to change us, um, to change hearts, to change minds. Um, you guys did a great job of, of really kind of getting to the main part of this, of these verses. What's fascinating to me is, okay, everybody who's listening, if you have your Bibles, check this out. Verses 8 to 10 of Romans 13. So Paul is really repeating the teaching of Jesus to start in verse 8. He says, if you love your neighbor, you fulfill the requirements of God's law. Well, he's, he gets that from the teaching of Jesus, of course. But it's interesting that he goes from love into into the law, into the commandments. Mm-hmm. So it's not just I'm going to tell you that love fulfills God's law. I'm going to list some examples. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't covet. Um, these and other such commands, Paul goes on to say, are summed up in this one command, love your neighbors yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Paul takes it a little further then in saying, here's the power of love. It changes things. Love heals Love revives, love aligns, love leaves no room for immorality. So the people were like, oh, well, you know, I just don't like to hear all that. Love covers it all, or you know, love is the main thing. Sometimes people with a, re- <laughs> a religious spirit will go there and they'll, they'll zoom in on, yeah, that's fine, but let's talk about the really important stuff, like don't commit adultery. And, and let's talk about not stealing, let's, let's talk about the moral laws. Love does that. That's what Paul's saying, is if you really love in alignment, with the power of God's love for you, you can't continue to want to do these things. Mm-hmm. It won't, it, it, what comes out of you will, will not be what used to come out of you. I mean, there is a transformation here. Nobody knows that better than Paul. He was on the road to Damascus mm-hmm. when love found him. Mm-hmm. It was love that transformed his heart. It was the love, because, I mean, God could have just said, I've had it with you. You know, you're the persecutor of Christians. I'm done with you. I don't want any part of you. But instead, God chose love for Paul and, and turned his whole life around. Love produces justice. Love changes the world. Love saves. It, it's, it, it conquers death. Love is too often underestimated. I'm fond of saying that because it just keeps coming up 
over and over is this is this this thread that runs through all of scripture and and at the heart of christian teaching is love but i think we minimize it too much we say oh it's just this soft little emotional thing no love is not just a secondhand emotion it is <laughs> it is transformational power and it changes everything that's so great uh, going into some deeper questions here. What is Paul's point about holy days and food laws in Romans 14? And what does it have to do with Christian witness, church unity, and the kingdom of God? Well, we have to remember that um, when Paul's writing to the church in Rome, much like we can see in all of Paul's writings, there, there are different audiences that would receive this letter. And there are people within the church in Rome that are some are some are Jewish and some are sure. non-Jews. And so they had different things that would be kind of indicators of who they are and what their practices were. And so what was happening is there were people that say, well, since I do this, that means I'm better than you because you don't do this. And so then there was this deep division that existed between people. And so Paul's saying, he's really reminding us, keep the main thing, the main thing. Mm -hmm. And the, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. the power of his love that's open to all people, that's central. And it's one of the it's one of our core values here at Hope is Jesus's life, and the rest is details. Mm -hmm. And when we can when we can see that Jesus is life, then if I might celebrate something different than you celebrate it within the church, that's okay. And we can we can see that as the fact that we're on the same team. We're right. not against each other. We're right. for each other because we agree on this. And in 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 our lives today, in the world today, one of the most disheartening things is that. We see churches that will get at odds with one another because they're disagreeing about secondary things. Yeah. That's so important. It's such a good point. Yeah, yeah I think um, when I think about it, it's always going back to the foundational principles, as you said, Jeremy, of, of what's important. And most times we can get there and we can agree. It's the ancillary types of man-made laws. Sometimes it's the other things that we disagree on. And that stands in the way often too many times of us being really in community. And so it's, uh, it's unfortunate that even though we know we all are headed to the same place and we want to believe it and that we do love each other, those little ancillary things, whether it is something of our past and the way we were taught or whether it's something that we feel very strongly about about whether it's Christmas or Easter and what about Easter and what about Christmas and little right. nuances. Right. And we begin to separate based right. upon those things as opposed to really focusing on, as you said, then the main thing be the main mm -hmm. thing. The main thing be the main thing. That that's you guys both said it in different ways, but <laughs> which shows unity, you know, that, that <laughs> we express ourselves in different ways. But we all come back to this main point. It's also really good news. Um you know, Paul says in verse 14 of Romans 14, no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. So pass the bacon. You know, I mean, <laughs> this is this is this is really good. Now, <laughs> careful, that may not be good for your health. And sure. then there's other passages in Scripture say, you know, your body's a temple, take care of it. But that's that is a, there's a freedom in Christ. Mm -hmm. There's a wonderful freedom in Christ. But there's also there's also what you guys were saying. And I just want to echo yeah, maybe in one different kind of way. As we look closer, we see that Paul is saying that what we have in Christ is way bigger than what we eat. It's way bigger than you know what day we worship, or or as you said, Brian, which day you know when the festivals are, and, and it, there are different 
parts of Christianity that celebrate Christmas at a different time, that celebrate Easter at a different time, our Orthodox sisters and brothers. Um, does that mean we're not on the same team? Paul would argue here very strongly, mm-hmm. no. The ceremonial laws shouldn't be the main thing. When when you have a festival shouldn't be the big thing. Uh, what what you but but he's also making this other kind of cool point, which is if for the sake of the unity of the body of Christ, if you're with somebody who follows certain ceremonial laws, don't be a snooty religious person like, well, you don't need to do that. You know, you're free. Yeah. Just win in Rome. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. we're in Rome. We're in absolutely. Romans. When in, if, if you're with a vegetarian and you're not a vegetarian, or if you're with a meat eater and you're not a meat eater, it's all good, baby. I mean, we're we're one in Christ. And yet you might have a disagreement. You might be able to talk about that in a really respectful way as sisters or brothers. Go for it. Do it. But this whole thing of God only wants us to do certain things in a very specific ceremonial way, Paul's not having it. He's saying you have lost the main thing, as you guys are yeah. saying. Yeah, God, the word of God is so beautiful then and is beautiful now. It's so practical for us right now, and it's profound, and yet it hits and it cuts. For for many reasons, Jesus said, look, it's not what enters a man that defiles him or a woman, a person. It's what comes out. It's not the right. th- everything that comes out, it, you know, what enters goes to the trough. It's what comes out of our heart. It's what comes out of our mouths, those mm-hmm. things that are going to really have more more power. And so if there's a, a Christian that's not as mature, or if there's just a difference, as you said, don't let it be that which divides us. We can find the common ground. We can figure out how we can come together because oftentimes it's not very important. It's very minuscule in the whole scheme of our salvation and, and righteousness. But um, so I think to your point, I think it's, it's such a divisive mm-hmm. piece if we think that we know it all and our way is the only mm-hmm. way. Because he uses the word, why would you condemn yeah. another believer? And I think that word is just so strong. It's like that, that gets to the heart. What's in your heart? when you point that out in somebody else? Yeah. Is it what's, what's best for that person? Because mm. sometimes we disguise it that way too. I'm pointing that out because I think, and really, ultimately, when we get to that point of condemnation, it says more about what's in our heart mm. than what we're huh. trying to point out in theirs. Mm. That's for sure, which leads right into our next question. So Paul's on a roll here. Yeah, why is this teaching from Romans 14 and 15 on harmony particularly important for both the first century Romans and for 21st century Christians like us too? Well, it's important for the first century Romans because the church there is, is, as we've already established in this episode of this podcast, it's made up not just of one ethnicity or, or, or one group, even one religious group. There's Jewish Christians who are there. There's Gentile Christians who are there. And so they're going to have some different ways of doing things. They're going to have some different traditions. They're going to have some different um, ways of expressing themselves. They're going to have some different cultural things. It really, and you know, Brian, I'd love for you to speak to this too. It, it really reminds me immediately of hope. And it's not just at Hope Elam. Praise God, mm-hmm. we have growing diversity mm-hmm. out here at our West Des Moines mm-hmm. campus. I mean, it's mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I'm sure you guys have noticed this too. Sundays at 11, mm-hmm. it's just amazing how mm-hmm. I, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but it is not a white suburban church, which is would be the assumption, I think, uh, from the outside looking in. Sundays at 11 are a really a beautiful mix and other services too. Mm-hmm. It's not the only one, but somehow that's just sort of what God has done. And it's a real blessing to us because it makes us stronger. So in a moment, I'd like you to speak to that because at Hope Elam, mm-hmm. that is like 
uber intentional. No, I mean, that's, that's what we're trying to do. Amen. Yeah. I think that we, we do have some intentionality, but there's also, um, this, this focus on, um, caring and yeah. love and universal and, language and acceptance yeah. and mm-hmm. sense of belonging. And I think those things goes beyond what you look like, where you're from, what color of your skin. And I think that, you know, it's attractive to the area, but it's also attractive to the mission mm-hmm. and the intentionality around it. And it's a beautiful thing to see. And, and as you've said, Pastor, that, you know, it's often said, and maybe in some cases it's true, that Sunday morning is the most segregated yeah. hour. Um, well, that's part of the mission that we're going to attack that full on without being apologetic about it because we are better together because it is part of who we are called to be as the people of God. And it's so, um, it's so obvious yeah. that that's, what, that's who we are. That's who God yeah. is calling us to be. And so to be intentional um, is not to be apologetic about it. Yeah, that is so true. And that that intentionality is ultimately not like, oh, we want to do this because we think it'll Mm -hmm. fit in with culture. That's, you know, the Mm -hmm. diversity kind of language. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying it's deeper than that. Our intentionality comes from a God who intentionally makes it very clear. Paul will say later in the New Testament, in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave Mm -hmm. nor free, male nor female. This will be a recurring theme for the rest of the New Testament. So people who are kind of um, not fans of unity and harmony, you're going to get your buttons pushed the rest of the way through this year, uh, all throughout the New Testament. I love the word harmony because you think about, um, so my mom was a music major. She taught music. And so when she would sing, she'd always harmonize with the, with the melody that was being sung. And harmony does not put the focus on yourself. What, when you sing in mm-hmm. harmony, you elevate the note that somebody else is singing, and there's beauty in that. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, a, it's deferring to the community mm-hmm. to elevate the whole. And I think that that, it, that intentionality of that word that Paul uses is such a, a, a strong picture for not just us here at Lutheran Church of Hope, but for people who, who are following Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We live in harmony to lift up the body, and I think that that is something that needs to be forefront in everything that we do. My daughter was a music major in college, and so she taught me a little <laughs> along the way. I'm not an expert on music theory at all, but that's part of being a music major. Is you're not just singing or, or playing an instrument. You're learning the theory of music. You're, under, you're getting to the... And she taught me something I'd never thought of before. I don't play piano. My mom was also a piano teacher, um, but she tried with me, and it it's just, you know, because it's your mom, you just don't... I don't know. Rebellion as a third grader or something. Never you know, I, I, never was, I was too busy yeah. playing sports. Yep. Didn't want to practice piano. So, you know, we had a piano in our house my whole life and I would see it all the time, every day of my life. And I never realized this until our daughter taught us this. She said, you know, the piano is set up for the key of C. It, it's like just mm-hmm. right there. Uh, C, D, E, F, and, and, and on it goes. It, it's just right in front of you. And it's because C is such a major, and I'm going to get out of my lane here in a second where I'm not making sense anymore. But the key of C is, is what so much music gets back to. It's just, it's like the stand, it's the gold standard. It's, it's, it's not the only key. There's a lot of different moods and things you can do with other keys. But the key of C, she said, that, and I said, well, it's, it's like unfair to the other keys that it was set up this way. And Chrissy goes, no, 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 no. It's because it's such a major key. It's, it's, it, a lot of music will start C, go to another key, come back to it. Mm-hmm. And what Paul's doing is key of C stuff here. He keeps coming back to, hey, you know what? Sing your song. Uh, Contribute your voice. None of us at this table are the same. 
you know, male, female, uh, different backgrounds, different teams we cheer for, different, different stories, different states we all grew up in, different places, all of that. Wow. Now we're all, like you said, Mm -hmm. Jeremy, harmony is going to be so much more beautiful than us just singing the same note. If we find our harmony in Christ, that, and so that's the key of, that's the key of Christ, if you will, that we come back to and hit over and over and over again. This is also a major challenge. This is going to push some buttons too, but I don't know how else we don't make this application uh, on this scripture. We live in a time when a lot of people like to quit on each other, mm. when a lot of people like to break up uh, friendships, um, you know, uh, uh, families, churches, communities. Um, we say, well, and, and, and our grounds for breaking up too often has been minimized as we disagree. We, we don't agree. Or we just have a different way of doing it. So if somebody expresses themselves in worship with hands up and clapping and dancing, the, the, the snooty, spiritually uppity person might be tempted to be like, well, that's not the right way. On the other hand, it can flip. And the person who likes to express themselves in worship, hands up, clapping, dancing, looks at the person who doesn't and says, ah, that person doesn't have the spirit like I do. I can't be church with that person. We can't. In other words, what are the grounds for breaking up? What are the grounds for not being church together? Because they aren't as much as the church in the 21st century says they are. Uh, one of my heroes, Rick Warren, just spent the last few weeks fighting the good fight for his church family, his fam- church family denomination. And his point was, look, this is what our church does. And other churches in our church family don't do what we do when it comes to the ordination of women. And instead of breaking up over that, let's, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Get back to the key of Christ. If you, he didn't use that analogy. But let's get back to Jesus. Because what, what Rick Warren is saying, what others are saying, what I'm trying to say here and have tried to say for 30 years, we better be really careful before we divorce each other. We better, we better have a really good reason. I mean, it, it better go beyond, well, we just grew apart. We just don't like the way the person does that thing that they do. It better be over something way bigger like uh, we don't believe in Jesus and you do, you know, or they, we do and you don't would be more like it. And, and that, okay, now we've got something here. But, but breaking up over the secondary things, you, the Bible just doesn't let us go there. Ro, Romans Romans 13 to 16 is all about unity. I mean, that is, so in the deepest theological work in the whole Bible, what does Paul end with? You are in this together. Mm-hmm. Even when you don't see the world the same way, even when you have different, different notes that you like to play, it all comes together and it all harmonizes. I just love the way the analogies you use because those are real-time analogies. Worship, we'll split, we'll break up because of style. We'll, we'll move to different locations because of tradition and you know, it's it's coming back to the, the note of C, as you said. The harmony, and, and Jeremy, I love the way you put it, um, is very humbling to harmonize in a way to lift someone else mm-hmm. up. And I think I, I've never heard it that way, but I, I see the beauty in it. Yes. And I see that unfolding um, with the people around me. And so it's a beautiful analogy. We, we, we find ourselves in a time where it, Mike, you said it, where we quit on each other so fast. And this is an opportunity for the church to, to set the course. Culture runs downhill. And so we're, we, we get to set the culture. You know, I spend a lot of my time on fields and courts in youth sports right now, and I am not perfect at all, so far from it. Um, 
but I just think about the way in which uh, people villainize uh, other teams, other coaches, how they, the, the way that officials and referees are being treated right now mm-hmm. in, over secondary things. So, uh, so a re, a, a, an umpire called a ball that you thought should have been a strike, does that mean that you get to condemn and villainize that person? Or, or can we find harmony and agreement that there's something bigger that we're doing here? And I think we need to, as a church, just continue to say, let's keep the key of C to be the main thing and see how the communities around us continue to, to be transformed by that. One other just mm-hmm. thought on this. When we break up for the wrong reasons as Christians and we say we can't have fellowship with you anymore, wow, we've made, we just made Christianity all about us. And we made it all about some really secondary things. We made it all about... S- what we're saying is, in essence, Jesus isn't big enough to hold us together. Do we really want to say that? So, so different races, different ethnic backgrounds, different worship styles, different approaches, different, di- different things. Do we really want to say that Jesus isn't big enough to hold us together? Wow. I, that's not Christianity anymore. That's just our version of it. Um, and, and then there's, there's a self-righteousness to that, which the, Paul's just not going to let us go there at all. Our next question is, how does our trust in God produce an overflow of confident hope? And why does confident hope matter? Yeah, trust um, in God, trust in the one who made everything that is, trust in the one that continues to manifest daily in everything that we are about. Um, trust in the, the one who's different. He's not a man that he should lie. Every promise that he promised is going to and has come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And so the, it's a confident hope. Hope is this. If you see it and can see it, it's not hope. There's a confidence uh-huh. in the one you're leaning on, the confidence in the one that um, gives you the breath that you breathe. So there's a, there's an, a, there's a, um, there's a, a trust in that which is not seen yet. But we have mm-hmm. a small aspect of the evidence that is given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so there's, a, there's, a, um, a, there's, there's fruit, there's evidence mm-hmm. of the promise to come through the presence of the Holy Spirit now in our lives. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm intrigued, but also I'm confident um, in the one who, um, who gave us everything that we have. Mm-hmm. I think about the importance of reading through the whole Holy Bible. And what we do when we read through the scriptures, we see all of these stories in which God had worked through times of struggle, times of heartache, times of difficulty. And we see the narrative of a God who has never, not exactly what you said, mm-hmm. made good on his promises. And so when we know what God has done, we can, more, we can have more confidence and hope in what he's going to do, even when we can't see it. And I've, I've heard countless, and I'm sure everybody else has, countless people that have said, my goodness, the Bible has shown me that I'm not the only one that's gone through whatever you fill the blank in mm-hmm. with and how, how hope-filled that can be to know that I'm not alone in whatever mm-hmm. it is that I'm experiencing. This verse, verse 13 of Romans 15, is really a summary verse in starting at least in chapter 11 and kind of hinted at before that. Paul's kind of bringing this whole unity thing together. And, and this is a verse, if people want to memorize a verse, this would be a good one. This is out of the New Living Translation. You can memorize it, whatever translation you're more comfortable with. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. I mean, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's the power of the Holy Spirit that does this. It's 
this is this is the engine, it, it, the Holy Spirit of God, God's presence with us in the present tense. Our hope comes from the power of God's Holy Spirit. There's a song we sing at VBS, and it's an oldie bit goodie called simply power. And, mm-hmm. you know, the kids kind of wave and dance and do this thing. And there's this, this engine behind it, you know, it's power, feel the power. God's love is the power. Boom, boom, boom. And the kids love it. They shout it out. I mean, they do it, within mm-hmm. a day, they've got it. And they just, you know, so imagine, I mean, blessed are our eyes to see what we get to see. Yeah. Imagine just standing in our worship center at Hope, 2,600 seats, almost all of them take, well, with the volunteers, all of them mm-hmm. taken and then some. And everybody's singing at the top of their lungs about the power of God's Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And what is that power? That The next line says it in that song. God's love is the power. God's love. That's who the Holy Spirit is. The Spirit of God is love. And when, when, that, when that truly gets into our hearts, when that truly you know, burrows its way into our souls and into our minds, man, it can't just stay there. Then it's going to start pouring out. Now, Paul's saying that's the power. He knows power. He knows Pentecost. He's heard about Pentecost power, transfiguration power. He knows road to, to, road to Damascus conversion power. There's Lutheran Church of Hope power, too. It's not us. It's love. It's the power of God's love through his Holy Spirit. So that's where we get our confidence. And the word confidence in the original Greek, the con means with, and the fidence is fide. It means faith. So confidence comes from walking with trust and faith in the one who is who gives us the power of God's love through his Holy Spirit. I, I love that. It's mm-hmm. just, it's such a big verse. Memorize. It's why we're a Lutheran church of hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our hope mm-hmm. is in the power of God's love through his Holy Spirit. Pastor Mike, if I can just say real quickly, um, coming off of Juneteenth, yeah. um, as we talk about unity yeah. and harmony, and there's so much disharmony yes. and, and throughout our nation. Yes. It just is yes. right now that it's with faith. It's, it's with confident hope mm-hmm. that we can truly overcome all of the division that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we, we live in the world where we're surrounded by hate, but we've talked nothing about love and harmony and unity. And even within the church, we have all of these experiences, and we're bringing them together. Mm-hmm. And if we don't truly believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and in, in the, the power of God to overcome it all, then we're playing church. I truly believe mm-hmm. that that's how we do it. Mm-hmm. We, we do it with a confidence in a God that created everyone and who that nothing catches him by surprise. That all of the division, all of the things that we've experienced, all the systems, all the things, all the, the struggles with authority and all yes. those things, we are able to overcome it because of the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us guidance. And so to me, that's the confident hope that I have. Um, and hopefully we all have together. I'm so glad you added that. And so we're going to have to shave some questions because we're going to run out of time here. But this is worth it because mm-hmm. the, we're, we're getting to the deeper stuff. Maybe we'll have to do Job next week. Uh, so we'll just do Romans today. And, and then next week we'll do a whole thing on Job and then do a little bit of Corinthians. Uh, for those of you who are, you know, keeping score, because we only did half a job this time anyway. But the 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 power of the Holy Spirit, you you talk about the confident hope we have. Paul talks about that confident hope. I would encourage people, I would challenge people with love to look with some vision, like take the long view of where we're headed mm. as churches, as Christians, as Americans, as world citizens even, but let, let, let's bring it back to our country and, and, and Christianity's role within our country. What is it 
what is it that the world around us needs to hear right now? Because if we take the long view, what, what is our hope? Our side will win and their side will be silenced and crushed and, and stopped. Mm. How does that look? Because, it, because to me, I have no hope in that. I, have, I, I, I mean, I feel strongly about certain issues and things, and I certainly want one side to win over the other. I'm not saying that. But, but ultimately, we need to find a way to make room for the people we disagree with in our lives and not just make room for them, love them in a way that is Christ. And doesn't mean we have to agree. doesn't mean we have to bless sin. We're not in the sin blessing business. God isn't. His church shouldn't be either. Not saying any of that. Get back to Romans 13 and 14. When we're overwhelmed by God's love, you don't have to worry about immorality because it's going to start to let... You really want to change somebody's immoral behavior? Instead of scolding them, introduce them to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, point them to the, to the cross, the one who unites, the one who transforms, the one who changes. But we're spending way too much time as Christians trying to fix immorality and, and, and behavior and, and say that's what it's all about. We have to scold everybody for everything they're doing wrong. There's no power in that. There's no hope in that. The, the, take the long view. Where does that end? It doesn't end well for, for us or the world around us. What ends well for us in the world around us is more of God's kingdom coming, more, which means more of God's love taking over. It's got to be Jesus. I have no hope in the future of this world apart from Christ, but through Christ, I have a confident hope. Jesus. And so, Christian, stop being so like pessimistic about the future. We actually know how the story ends in the kingdom of heaven. There will be unity. There will be harmony. There will be joy. There will not be suffering. There will not be sin. There will not be death. There will be new life. Um, we're going to be okay. And we got a lot of work to do to make, mm. well, I mean, what do we pray? What did Jesus teach us to pray? On earth as it is in heaven. Mm. We know that's how it'll be in heaven. So let's bring more of that through the church now. Isn't that our mission? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, from the entirety of Paul's letter, he starts off at the very beginning saying, hey, there's a reality that we all share. Every single human being shares in common. It's the fact that we've all fallen short. Mm. So, so to, to hear the fact that there is a no to some of the things that happen in every single person's life is an okay thing. I think our culture is sometimes slants the way of if somebody says no, that that's somehow a, a, a slight or a slam right. to you. That's a, it's an okay thing. And God yeah. says, hey, my, my, my law is a gift to you mm-hmm. to create healthy boundaries, but it's, it's, it's culminated in love. And so... There's boundaries, we all fall short, but God's love covers everything. And in that, we are able to see each other because love, like you said, Mike, you said it, Brian, love does not equal agreement. And that's a really disservice to the, the truth of what love is when we have to say it means that I agree with you. How many, uh, how many parents have a child who've done something that you completely disagree with. Oh, I don't agree with my kids mm. yeah. a lot of times. And, I'm you know? ne- yeah. and I agree with my grandkids yeah. all the time. Yeah. But, I, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that like, if my kid does something that I don't agree with, right. my love for them has not waned. Exactly. In fact, it's been strengthened because we've had to work that out with mm. one right. another. Right. And I think, man, let's get to that. Not for a second. I, I, I'm, in, I, I'm in, you know, as a parent, it's humbling. I'll put it that way. Oh. But one of the things I feel like uh, that my wife and I have done okay is that I don't think there'd ever be a point, I hope, there would never be a point in any of our kids' life, never a moment in any of their lives where we'd be like, I'm not sure dad loves me. Yeah. I'm not sure mom loves me. I'm not sure. Now they're mad at me mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm being disciplined and yeah. it, I'm not saying that and, and I'm, I don't like them right now or whatever, but not, I would like to think that not for one second did they question our love. 
So that just pushes us back in. Well, Paul is pushing all this to Mm -hmm. us, right? And and forcing us in a way that God's word does and inspires us to do. Apply this stuff. Apply this to our daily lives. Read it, learn it, and live it. We got to live this out. Who started the lie that if we disagree, we can't hang out together? Because it isn't God. And it's really loud. It's it's the enemy of God. Yeah. Yeah. As Paul concludes his letter to Romans uh, in 15 and 16, what do we learn about what matters most to him and what does that clarif- how does that clarify our mission and what should matter most to us in today's church? What should matter most to us? Mission. Yep. That, you, yeah. You can just feel it as Paul wraps up. Yep. And it's not just yeah. chapter 16. It's the, it's the end of chapter 15, too. I'd invite all of our listeners to read that again. Pay attention to what matters to Paul. I'm going to Spain. I'm coming to Rome. I'm first I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm doing why? Why is he doing any of these things? Mm. Mission, mission, mission. What's his mission? Mm. To preach Christ, to good tell news. people the good news, to share good the news. gospel. <laughs> and especially Paul says, I want to share the gospel with people. Look at verse 20. My ambition uh, has always been to preach the gospel, the good news, where the name of Christ has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. It makes me think of all the churches we've started in sub-Saharan Africa um, for dirt cheap. I mean, they don't want expensive buildings. They just want basically a picnic shelter, Mm -hmm. and then 800 people show up for worship. (laughs) You're our missions guy, Jeremy, our missions pastor. How many churches have we started? Over 800 churches. Wow. Just one little congregation, relatively little congregation here in in the middle of Iowa, started 800 churches (laughs) In Africa, it's that's that's what we're here to do, and and, look, and we're also here to bring, of course, the gospel to people who have lost it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And look what Paul does at the end of sixteen. He starts to give thanks for all the people who are partnering him with him in sharing the message mm-hmm. about Jesus Christ. And so we share that thing about the eight hundred churches because we have partners, the pastor with GlobeServe in Ghana, who. My goodness, if we can be joined to one another in mission, yeah. in the love of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. look at how much more we can do than we could ever do on our own. And Paul's yeah. getting to that, and he, Paul's not taking any credit for it. He's saying, no. hey, thanks to this, and he lists like 75 That's different yes. people. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's good. Well, Romans runs deep, Emily. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> we did it. That was, that was uh, we probably should have known. Usually we can get to seven, eight, nine, ten questions even. Mm-hmm. Today we get to six mm-hmm. because it's Romans. So we've got four left over from Job or three left over from Job that we'll start with next week. Um, and man, it's it's good to hang out with all of you. Thank yeah. you for the conversation, Emily, Brian, uh, Jeremy, and all of you who've joined us too. Thanks for the questions that you send in. I do want to clarify one thing. Uh, last week, there's a little bit of confusion in some of the comments that, hey, you know, we ask these questions and they don't all get answered. We try to get to as many of them as we can. We just have a limited time. And if you have a question that we can't get to, uh, as, as Emily said during last week's podcast, please just email it to us or, or uh, put your name on it and we'll email it to you. Uh, we would we love to get your questions. We love to answer mm-hmm. them. And we're not avoiding them because we don't want to talk about them. We only have so many um, questions we can get to in one podcast. So keep them coming. Keep asking. Keep diving in. Uh, keep reading, uh, learning, and living out the gospel. We'll see you at church this Sunday. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.